No witty banter. Well, we almost are you, wittily bantered. Wittily <laughs> is your level is your level good? My levels are good. Okay. For My some, levels are possibly the best they've ever been. For some reason that one always seems a little quieter when it I does. when I talk into it. Did you did you turn it up? I did turn it up. It's that prob- is probably a good move. That's typically the solution. Yeah, fair. All right. We don't want to force the witty, witty banner, so if it's not having happening naturally, we'll just begin. Well, but we were we were bantering about the the rules. We were bantering about. I the feel rules. like you didn't hold up your end of that. <clears throat> I didn't. I feel like I I bantered well. It was strong banter. Sorry, I was writing. I can't banter and write at the same time. And I mean, look at my pet penmanship. I've obviously got. I've obviously. Got, <laughs> I'm actually obviously maxing out my brain capacity writing that. Is that even an R? It looks like a stick figure bent over at the waist. <laughs> it looks like a game of hangman gone horribly wrong. <laughs> like if, if a game of hangman could violate the Geneva Conventions, that's what your R looks like. Hmm. That's harsh. <laughs> what can I say? I don't know. I got nothing. All right, here we go. In <laughs> three, two, one. Welcome to Dudor Cannons. I'm Byron, and with me as always is Justin. Party on, Justin. Party on, Byron. And this is episode 29, and you know, I forgot to write this up here, but it's okay. My brain thunk of it. I think this could be like the first DC Reacts. DC Reacts. Yeah, because you know if you go on the internet, there's all these videos where people are reacting. It's true. Yeah. It's honestly, it's kind of silly too, because it's like, it's like fill in the blank credential Reacts. Yes. So it's, what what are our do we have credentials? Uh who cares? Like, I, like I'm I'm what by what authority are we reacting? That's what, yeah. <laughs> our credentials are having a microphone in the internet. Uh, well, actually for this particular topic, I do think that one might argue that we might have credentials, not credentials in any official accredited sense. Yeah. As one would typically want credentials to be but in the uh in the sense of well i guess we'll see as we we get into this but this topic is something that you and i i think have dealt with for a long time in a lot of different ways and and different spheres so you know whatever that thing about ten thousand hours is right well you know what in the words of jen saki let's circle back to that if you are listening to Yikes. whatever pot- podcast you're li- whatever platform you're <laughs> listening to us on, please like, share, subscribe, and comment. And you know, more than anything, tell a friend. Uh, I'll tell you what our download numbers are going up, which I like to see because uh, hopefully people are are finding what we're saying useful and are sharing it with others. And, and more than anything, maybe this is spurring other conversations of a similar nature. Now back to your credential comment. You know, that's the thing, right? Because like, I think. You know, like I've said before, I've spent my entire adult life in the military, and but the older I get and the more mature I get, the more I realize that so many professions have a lot of the same things in common. And I assume, like mine, you have people that might be credentialed but aren't necessarily competent just because they're credentialed. So about this particular topic, I hope that we are competent. Right. Well, this is what I'm getting at, though. I know people. Let's. I'll give you an example. I had a guy who was – his hobby was photography. 
he lacked any credential, but like he was passionate enough about it that I would say that he was an expert. Yeah. You know, now I don't know if I want to declare myself an expert, but we'll see. So let me get into what we're talking about though, because it'll probably make this make a little bit more sense. So the title of our lesson tonight is true and proper worship. Now I do want to issue a disclaimer. I feel like there might be the opportunity for some feelings to get hurt here because what we're going to talk and really that's why you have credentials you've heard a lot of feelings yeah, that's right and so but the reason for that is we're going to talk about worship music and you know being that you know we are members of a church of christ and one of the things we're known for is our acapella singing i know this is something that people feel very strongly about so disclaimer somebody might get their feelings hurt but we're going to proceed nonetheless so I mean, you might hurt my feelings that's quite possible it is quite possible we'll see so, like I said, this could be the first of a DC reacts. You know, the last time we, we did this, well, two weeks ago, mm-hmm. not the last time we did this, but the last time that you were at the helm, so to speak, we also had kind of a series that started. Yeah. But like I said, I think those will occur episodically, not necessarily. Doesn't all, don't all these occur episodically? Yes. I guess what I'm saying is, is they aren't going to occur. occur uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Sequentially. Well, the, you could you could argue they still are occurring sequentially, just not right after one another. With no particular regularity. There you go. Okay. So asynchronously. Here's where this is coming from. <laughs> so uh, I came across a podcast, and it's actually because this this guy was on uh, John Cooper's podcast. So that and that's how these things work, right? You listen to a podcast, they interview somebody, then you listen to their podcast, so on and so forth. So this guy uh, hosts. His name's Kyle Thompson. He hosts a podcast called Undaunted Life. And uh, the podcast that we're kind of reacting to is one entitled Contemporary Worship Music is for Women and Effeminate Men. There's a title. There's the title. Contemporary (laughs) Worship Music is for Women and Effeminate Men. And so when I was scrolling through and I saw that, I'm like, oh, I got to hear this, right? And so uh, if that doesn't give you enough context i'm going to read kind of like the description for his channel and i'll put the link the link to this podcast in the show notes if people want to go back and listen to it after the fact because um although the technology exists i don't have the time to figure out how to do it at this point but you know this isn't gonna be one of those videos where we play clips and then comment on it so i'm gonna try to describe describe some of it for for the listeners and then they can go listen to the podcast themselves if they are so inclined So the description of the channel, though, says most content created for men, there's air quotes there, quote unquote, fails to equip men to be spiritually, mentally and physically resilient in the face of life's obstacles. The content is usually too feminine, secular, broad or corny. Undaunted Life produces content specifically designed for the rugged Christian looking for ways to improve as a a man. The men that consume our content stand ready to push back spiritual and cultural darkness. We will seek the line of Judah. Let's get into it. And this line of Judah thing is is one of his mantra, shall we say. In fact, uh, in this particular episode, he talks about that as it pertains to worship music, how the Lamb of God, and he's not discounting the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God is very prevalent, where where the line of Judah, we don't we don't hear so much about that. At least that's his claim. So that is what we are reacting to. And before we get before we get into it, as it were, I want to start with a question. So we are talking about worship music. So just broadly, what's your background with worship music, specifically in the Church of Christ? Specifically in the Church of Christ. So I guess that's where I'll start. My bad. And for those of you keeping score at home, that is called a vacuum sealed water bottle 
rolling around on the floor of the R.H. Ball Memorial Library, and the lid was on, thankfully, so no books were harmed in the making of this podcast. Stay hydrated, people. Absolutely. <clears throat> so back to my background with, I guess, worship music and the Church of Christ. I'll say this, because my next question is, same question, but outside the Church of Christ. So if you want to hit both, weave back and forth. Okay. Just yeah, fo- we'll follow s- your heart. What happens. Follow your heart, oh, Justin. Oh, yikes, man. <laughs> that is n- not usually the best idea. So grew up in a traditional Church of Christ. And for those of you people who maybe are familiar with the Church of Christ, I grew up with the Blue Book. Mm-hmm. The Blue Book, you know, great songs of the church. This one? Number two. Yeah, the one on top. Yeah. Compiled and edited, contributed to by Brother E.L. Jorgensen. The first edition came out, I guess, 100 years ago, maybe a little bit more than that. The number two, I think, came out maybe in the 40s or 50s or something. I could also be wrong about that. There was another edition that came out in the 80s that we don't really use. That's this one here, revised? You know, I actually really want a copy of the revised one because there's a couple of things that they do really well in that mm-hmm. that I greatly appreciate. Yeah. But they got rid of the shape notes and being musically illiterate, half literate, I'm musically half literate, the shape notes in the uh, in the number two. Yeah. Great songs of the church are greatly beneficial and that's how I sort of taught myself how to sing harmony. Yeah. Yeah, just, you know, following along with the yep. the old men singing tenor or bass and yeah, those shape notes were designed for the the musically illiterate and half literate, right? Such as myself. So very traditional, uh, but we also supplemented with not just the supplement of the great songs of the Church Number Two by E.L. Jorgensen, but also with various what we called heart songs, mm-hmm. uh, scripture-based choruses, shorter songs, things that were typically pretty good. Theologically and musically, but a little bit newer. Yeah. That was as close as my church came to probably, quote, contemporary. I was also heavily influenced by another genre that we that kind of would overlap with heart songs, and we would call them camp songs. Yeah. Camp songs were predominantly sung or propagated at various church camps, most notably Woodland Bible Camp in Linton slash Duggar, Indiana. And my dad would sing a whole lot of those kinds of songs, heart songs and camp songs with uh, with our family, especially in the car, not just going to or from church, but just a lot. Like dad, dad sang to us and with us a lot. Yeah. And I would say that that might have had even more of an influence on me than church. Not that I'm disparaging it at all. Like I'm, I'm very thankful for the the tradition and hymns that that I've gotten to be be a part of. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that continues to this day. I, I've been back in the Church of Christ for, I guess, 11 years or so now, like July 2010. So yeah, yeah, just over 11 years. So the first 18 years of my life, and then there was a gap, and now the the most recent what 11 was the, years. What was the gap? So that gap gets to your second question. When I went to college... Uh, my first year, I was at Lipscomb University, so Church of Christ, acapella worship during uh, chapel services, and I attended a church, a church, church of Christ in Nashville. And those were more contemporary, and I think that it sort of had gone from what I would have called like heart songs to more like praise songs. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that, that these, these uh, terms are 
terribly rigid necessarily. Yeah, because I think like like when you talk about camp songs, I feel like there's some bleed over there into yes praise songs and or heart songs. Yeah, so I'm not saying that this is like some sort of like rigid delineated thing, but it seems like the people that I was around were calling the songs that we were singing at say Lipscomb and some surrounding churches in Nashville. They would tend to be called praise songs. They and they also tended to have praise teams. Yeah. The acapella version of the worship band. Right. Now, maybe they might have called them praise and worship songs or worship songs. I don't know. But praise songs, like that's sort of the thing that sticks in my head. And those were much more contemporary, like much newer songs typically. Yeah. Than even the heart songs and camp songs that I grew up with, which were probably predominantly from like the 50s through like the 70s or 80s. Yeah. In terms of their their, their writing. So after that, uh, I was at Lipscomb for a year and then went to a uh, state junior college up in Indiana for a year. Long story, won't go into it. But I went to a, uh, like I was a part of just the, the campus fellowship mm-hmm. there, which was run by a Christian church. So theologically, uh, theological background, very similar to Church of Christ. Yeah. Really the only discernible difference was they had they had a worship band. They had, you know, instrumental worship, mm-hmm. which I was never, I had never really been comfortable with that. And I couldn't really put my thumb on any scripture that really said that it was wrong. And I wasn't convinced by any of the arguments that sought to prove that it was wrong. But, you know, it was, it was a little bit, it was a little different. Mm-hmm. But then uh, within that year, so it was my sophomore year of college, I started, I, I was actually starting to learn to play guitar. Yeah. And, started joining in with worship bands and that continued with the next college that I went to. Yeah. I went to three colleges in three years. Not lots, lots of people go to three colleges. Yeah. They're called doctors. I'm just kidding. Right. And so I, I definitely <laughs> self identify in that group <laughs> on a variety of grammatical, I, ecumenical. That's all you have to do. Uh, right. Levels. Yeah. Uh, why shouldn't I just go to the store and buy a lab coat following my heart? Yeah. It's your truth. Absolutely. It is. So the the next place I went to was also a uh, like a former like a a Christian church that sort of was happened to be planted like right alongside of the college campus I was at and they had sort of died out as a kind of traditional community focused church and so they they turned their attention to the college community and so it sort of became the de facto college mm-hmm. church yeah and without going into a whole lot of detail about that I, I, got, I ended up being a part of the, the worship team or worship band or whatever there. And, and we, we did a, a whole lot of, you know, modern praise and worship. Uh, Hillsong, Shane and Shane, uh, really like anybody that... Bethel, you, is that one? I don't, I don't think we got that far. Oh, okay. We might have done a couple Jesus Culture mm-hmm. songs at some point. Actually, you might say that we were a Hillsong cover band for a while. <laughs> All right. Like and we we knew it, and we we even that man. This is some serious confessional time. Yeah, but you made me admit my nickname last week. This I is did. what you get. This is this is what I get. <laughs> so th- so I was. This is in, in Eastern Kentucky, mm-hmm. rural Eastern Kentucky, which is kind of redundant. All of Eastern Kentucky is rural, but there was a a very prominent Christian pseudo metal pseudo worship band that was coming to town i'm trying to remember what their name is you, you've heard of them uh seventh day slumber ah okay yeah i think that's it seventh day slumber yeah mm-hmm. 
they, they were coming to town and playing some sort of event, revival, something or other that was going to be at the local school, you know, like renting out the gym or something. Yeah. And we were going to be the opening act. Oh, man. So we really did officially become a Hillsong cover band. <laughs> and that's that's the biggest show I've ever played. Nice. Like, numerically speaking, I yeah, guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what was interesting about, about my, my time there was that even though th- it was just kind of a non-denominational community church, there were some, I guess, what I would call Church of Christ refugees mm-hmm. who were who were drawn there, and uh, really, I can't say enough good things about my experience at at that church during during those years. But the the worship quote worship team or, or worship ministry or band or whatever, we really were very intentional about trying to find music that was good musically and and good the- theologically. Yeah. And I'm not saying that that we were perfect at that or, or great at that, but but that that's that's where we wanted to go, right? And so when you have a situation where a church is kind of reforming, I, I don't mean like reform in the sense of like the political sense, but but re dash forming, mm-hmm. y- you kind of have to figure out like what you're doing and why. Yeah. And so as we were trying to figure out what we were doing and and why, and we were trying to I think do things thoughtfully and prayerfully and all that we came to the hymns yeah and and hymns started to be something that were intentionally incorporated Hmm. because uh we recognized that that was something that people needed yeah there was enormous beauty and truth in those in those old songs yeah and now that i've come back to the church of christ which I didn't come back in the sense of like repenting of having been in the place that I was. Yeah. It's just how the Lord sort of directed my life. I, I can't tell you how thankful I am that, that I've been singing hymns predominantly for the last 11 years. And I also won't go into this, but like really difficult times that, that where the Lord has, has used hymns to yeah keep, keep me going. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that I would have gotten that out of just kind of pop contemporary K love type music. You know, it's fine. This like my my I, I meant to start with this too. Like, I told you this via text the other day. Like, we might have to do a two part on this. Like, and I and I mean it because yeah, already there's so many things I want to say, and I don't know if we'll get to them all. But to that point specifically, you know, I, I've been to some youth rallies throughout the years, and uh, I went to whatever the one is in Gatlinburg one year as an adult, like as a chaperone, first time I'd ever been. Mm-hmm. And you know, so we spent the whole weekend with the praise band up, praise team up on stage, trying to do these beatbox like contemporary songs and like everybody's just is like really trying to sing along you know and i tell you what the one hymn we did that that weekend best song of the weekend mm-hmm. like everybody knew it yeah you actually heard some harmonies right yeah anyhow and there's a whole lot to say for those two factors that you mentioned yeah people knowing it and harmony so let me uh let me answer the same question and sure. uh then i have a fo- another question so Okay. Also raised raised in the church, as we say, um, and I, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I've been a member. I think the count is ten of ten Church of Christ, churches of Christ throughout my upbringing. Between my dad's job with General Motors and the military, you know, I've just moved around quite a bit, and so uh, you know, I I don't remember attending this one, but I'll count it. Like I was I was born in Norfolk, Virginia, and so we went to the Granby Street Church of Christ there. Of course, I don't remember that, and then. We moved to Michigan again because that's where my dad's from, and he he got a job with General Motors up there. And so, 
better part of my younger years, I, I attended the Granville Church of Christ, and there we used this one, Songs of the Church, mm-hmm. which is, this is the book I know and love, 519, Great Redeemer, 728B, Our God, He's Alive. Like, those are the songs, that's the book, like, I know where 210 is, uh, oh, man, I'm going to mess that one up. Uh, it was my sister's favorite song. Anyways, and so uh, we sung hymns there predominantly, but we also had a supplemental, and, and that one was one that, like, somebody had put together and so mm-hmm. it was like, you know, they took it to Office Max or whatever and had it yeah. bound. And it would be in the pew behind the hymnal. Which, that's great. Yeah. And I, and I think, like, back then the, the custom was we sang those on Sunday night maybe. Yeah. And eventually they made their way into to Sunday morning worship. But when I was about, so I was in fifth grade, we moved to South Texas. And so I went to the Price Road Church of Christ down there. And that's when I would got kind of got old enough to do, like, church camp and stuff like that. And down there, by chance, I believe they had this one, Praise for the Lord. And uh, this book is actually, these are all books I've gathered over the years because kind of getting to the point I was going to make, that it was at that age that I started leading singing. Mm-hmm. So around 13, 14. Yeah. And uh, another church we went to had this one. But these are these are songbooks I've gotten from the various churches I've been to because you, you get there and like, yeah, just grab a, grab a hymnal and take it home so you can pick out your songs. Mm-hmm. But it was also my first exposure or, or like my, my larger exposure to like camp songs, like you said. And so... Uh, I say that to say this too, because as much as I love hymns, my dad and I, he, he listened to this, I had him listen to the same episode and, uh, you know, he's always comments about when he comes and comes here, how much he loves hearing all the old hymns. I've also been places though, where you get a lot of people belly aching about having to learn new songs. And so like, I don't know that I necessarily want to live in a world where we don't learn new songs also. Uh, but again, we'll get into all that. Um, and so we moved back to Michigan my my junior year and uh in the time that we were there we went to the uh goodness gracious it was in Flint I can't remember the name of that church went to a church up there primarily hymns I don't have a book from that one I don't remember which one they used and then we attended the Lake Orion Church of Christ and kind of same thing there but again it we're moving into that era where you were starting to see more of those praise and worship songs uh come into the into the the primary worship yeah. service and so Kind of what I wanted to get to, though, is raising the church, left, graduated high school, joined the Army, and uh, I got overseas to my first duty station in Italy. And so there was a there were Church of Christ missionaries. So they're from, I forget where they're from, the the church. This is the songbook that we used at the, the church in Vicenza, and uh, the church, their, their home church donated these songbooks. And so that's why, hmm. that's why I have this one, The Great Songs of the Church Revised. But... Um, that was kind of the era in my life where I kind of uh, maybe fell away a little bit. Um, and by that, I mean, I stopped going to the, the Church of Christ and I just started going to like the Protestant service on post, if I went at all. And uh, maybe kind of trying to keep this brief. It's interesting, though, being in the military because they will have Catholic service and they have Jewish worship and they might have some other main denomination and then they have combined Protestant service. Mm-hmm. And it's very kind of like, bland and generic but that's that's where i had my first exposures to like praise bands yeah and uh that whole thing um and so uh i've 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 had several of those experiences over the years which will i guess kind of justify some of the comments that i'll probably make later in this podcast um and so uh you know i did my 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 time over there in italy and came home and, and started going to a church of christ again when i got got back home uh, at that point, my family was going to the Waterford Church of Christ in Michigan, so I, Jessica and I, that's where we went when we were dating. And then 
when we went to Georgia, we attended the uh, Edgewood Church of Christ in Columbus. That's where this book came from, Praise for the Lord. And then, of course, we moved to uh, Fort Bragg, Fayetteville, North Carolina, Helen Street Church of Christ. That's where the Songs of Faith and Praise came from. And now we're here. That's that's how I have this book, right? Yeah. I guess for my experiences outside of the Church of Christ, though, like I said, I mentioned the whole kind of like that time away going to combine Protestant services. The other thing that I did do, though, is I also play guitar. I learned to play guitar in middle school. And so when I lived in Texas, um, public schools down there weren't great. GM would move you down there. They would, they would put your kids in pay for private school. And so I went to a Catholic school for all of middle school. And that's where I learned to play guitar. And so much like when, when you went to Lipscomb, you had chapel. We would have mm-hmm. mass once a week. And so uh, for – so I think that was my – my fifth grade, four, sixth grade year, I learned to play. I started playing guitar. So my seventh and eighth grade year, I played guitar along with Sister Rachel and Miss Pico <laughs> for all of the masses for my second two years in middle school. Um, Please so tell I, me that the name of your band was Critical Mass. It wasn't a band. It was like one of the sisters, and then our English teacher was she was she was Catholic but not a nun. Was, was it people playing music together? It was people playing music together. Me, me, and two ladies that work there. <laughs> you know, Christ has died. Christ. For those uh, that can't see me, I'm air guitar. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Yeah. Was somebody playing a twelve string? No, it was literally just the three of us with guitars, like playing the exact same like voice. Wait, did you say twelve string? Yeah, yeah. I believe Sister Rachel had a twelve string. Man, I knew it. Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Okay, so, um, and then like I mentioned, again, so I've been leading singing. This kind of goes back to our credential thing, right? I mean, I've been leading singing since I was 13 years old. And I guess to kind of your point, right? Like, I have always loved singing in church. Like, I always tell my kids this. I'm like, I don't know why you guys don't like singing. Like, I love it, you know? And like, I remember learning to sing harmony very very early on. It's kind of like you were saying, like, to this day, I can hear my dad's voice in my head. Mm-hmm. singing the tenor and singing the bass, yeah. you know? And then the same thing, like, although we listened to plenty of, like, Beach Boys and Neil Diamond and other stuff in the car, we also listened to a lot of, I don't know if you knew, AVB, acapella vocal band, right? Heard of them, not familiar. And several of the other kind of, like, acapella groups that there are in throughout the church. In fact, in Michigan, used to be Michigan Christian Colleges, now it's Rochester. They had a group, I think they still do, it's called Autumn, and it's, like, their their acapella team you know my great aunt's brother was the director of music yeah. there for for years and years and i so i've always liked the the music of it musical aspect of it and maybe only as an adult really appreciated the lyrics and, and a lot of that is because i've been places where it's like man i can't you know we're, we're out here doing stuff like what can i do and it's like how, how can i stay awake how can i you know or how can i just think about god and it's like those songs come back to me. And so it's mm-hmm. that idea of the, the, you know, the words being written on your heart type yeah. thing. Okay. This is, th- that was going a lot longer than I thought it was going to. I don't, like I said, I don't think we're gonna get to all this. So it's not a big deal. Okay. So I don't know if I'm going to, sh- I'll just ask this question. I just, I mean, you know what the, the podcast is about. Um, I do. The folks, you know, listening to this don't, I guess broadly, what are your thoughts on contemporary worship mu- music? You know, I th- I think my thoughts really aren't just about contemporary music. I think it's more more general than that. Like when it comes to music being used for 
for the well not just music used for the church but like like is it is it good music mm-hmm. and is it good scripture right i mean like is it, it just is it good because if it's good you know it, it doesn't matter if it's five <coughs> days old or 500 years old mm-hmm. and if it's not good it, it doesn't it doesn't matter yeah you know so for me the whole you know like what what sort of music should we have or, or what sh- what sort of music music is you know beneficial or like what should be the goal here it's like like what music yeah is is good yeah but to try to answer your question a little bit more specifically now I, I guess you could say I'm out of the contemporary scene mm-hmm. since for well, m- I, more than a decade I, I haven't been a part of a quote worship band or a quote contemporary church so I, I am sort of out of it but you know it was one of those things where you know there's good and there's bad I guess on the surface contemporary worship is for for women and effeminate men agree or disagree man uh, I, th- I think that that's a provocative title yeah I don't I don't think that it's unfounded mm-hmm. um, but I, I don't think that it it quite captures the the true problem yeah and because it it doesn't really get down to the true problem can't arrive at a meaningful solution i i think um man i i i agree though with the podcast that there, that there is a lot of contemporary music in the christian sphere that is feminine in the wrong ways or in shallow ways yeah and that's that's the problem with it if there is contemporary music that's bad and happens to be feminine, I don't think the one is connected to the to the other. Yeah. If it's bad, it's not because it's feminine. Mm-hmm. And and you know, vice versa. Okay. So I think maybe what will be helpful if I just get into some of the content of his of his podcast. Yeah, like his, we, his eight points, and we can comment on it as it goes. Okay. Yeah. So, um, he he says a lot, but there's two things that there there's some framework to to his argument, and there's he's got eight problems with contemporary worship music. And then after that, five reasons contemporary music is for women and effeminate men. So I'm going to start with the eight problems and we'll see, we'll see how far we get. Okay. So the first problem he identifies is that contemporary music, the music has become the reason people go to a particular church. And so his, what he, the point he makes is that there are people that they, they choose to go to or not go to a church based on how good their praise and worship band is and yeah. are they a Hillsong church are they a Bethel church you know this that and the other uh, I don't know what are your thoughts on that I feel like that's something that's kind of transparent to us yeah I would say that that's entirely possible it's foreign to me but I guess I've, I've been around things enough to to know that it that's that's possible there are people I've, that's I've, superficial yeah I've heard people you know complain about music I mean, I think it speaks a little bit to, as it also speaks a little bit to this this kind of modern concept of shopping for a church. I remember I read a book about that one time where that that was a that was like the first chapter was talking about that. You know, where there was a time where, you know, you look at like Little House on the Prairie, like they went to the church in Walnut Grove because there was only one, and you probably had a mix of denominational folks there. Yeah, and of course, you know. Little House on the Prairie, that was, I, I don't know, 1870s or 80s or something. Mm-hmm. But that, that thing that you're talking about where there there might only be one church or two churches in a 
in a town or, or maybe even in a whole county. Yeah. That's part of what gave rise to the the uh, the second great awakening right. and the restoration, the restoration movement, movement that that our our church is connected. I was saying we might with. we might get into some of that. We'll we'll see. Yeah. Okay. So church shopping seems seem well. I guess I can't knock it always and everywhere, but it, it seems. I hate to use the word problematic, but it seems potentially yeah problematic. Well, that's. I've never shopped for a church, ever. Like the the it's it's always just happened. Yeah. I, like long term. I don't know if I could say we we shop for no. I think we've probably shopped for a church. You know, but I'll tell you what. Like where we live now, you know, we're driving by a Church of Christ to get to here. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously we were going here before we moved. Right. Well, we we had dibs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got people headhunting me right now. No big deal. <laughs> Okay, um, let me move on to number two. He so second problem with contemporary worship music: it puts the attention on you and not on God. Yes. Now I will say that it seems like that was a conversation that that we were having at the the, the previous more contemporary instrumental church that that I attended. Mm-hmm. Like we were, I think we were trying to avoid songs that were overtly and unnecessarily self-focused yeah <clears throat> but that <clears throat> sorry there are there are songs that come to mind that I, I really don't have any interest in singing some that are instrumental and some that are acapella for that very reason some are new and some are old mm-hmm. one of them and and i hope that this doesn't offend anyone but the one like we place you on the highest place mm-hmm we place you on the highest place yeah. for you. And, for you know, you yeah, it, it, it goes up higher than yep. that. But we place you on the highest place. We place you high above all else. It's like, well, how do you do that? Uh, it's me this time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I can't place Jesus on the highest place. Like, he is on the highest place, whether I like it or not. So yeah. it's like, okay, am I going to recognize that and submit to it, or am I going to try to pretend like it's not real mm-hmm. so anything that like we like we we do that i i do that yeah or any song that would say something like uh like like i'm i'm going to worship and or here i am to worship here i am to well okay so if you're declaring that like why don't you just do it yeah here i am yeah to it's, worship it's like passive aggressive yeah <laughs> Okay, uh, I'm going to put these next two together because these are the ones that really hit, kind of hit home for me. And, and uh, I guess to give, well, let me read what they are. Three and four reduces God to your buddy and reduces Jesus to our boyfriend. Man, yeah, man. Like, and in this podcast, folks, go listen to it. He starts it off by he's got like this, <laughs> like sounds. I don't know what to say. Like these emotional sounds going in the background, and he's reading the lyrics to a popular contemporary worship song, and. Uh, he, he, he quotes a book later throughout his podcast. It's called Why Men Don't Go to Church by a guy named David Morrow. And, and David Morrow does the same thing where he talked about a couple guys hunting, you know, <laughs> if they were to read the lyrics of a Christian song to one another. Like, it's just, it's weird. It puts Jesus in this place where, and, and so, like, I've had, uh, uh, unrelated to this podcast, I've had conversations with, with like, folks in my family have, have said this, my uncle in particular, he's like, what's with all these songs about that make it seem like Jesus is your boyfriend? Yeah. You know, um, which it, it, I mean like, yeah, I don't know. Like to me, that's, 
I guess to his point, like it's kind of like a turnoff for for a dude. So if anybody listening happens to be of a I don't know more traditional straight laced, like you you've gone to a like a traditional, not just Church of Christ, but even like a traditional I don't know Baptist or Methodist church or something that sings predominantly older songs. Just turn on contemporary Christian radio yeah. and listen to it for. 10 minutes or 15 minutes and, and just see what comes on and think about the content of like the lyrical content of the songs. Well, and, and here's the thing. I wish I could think of the song. I guess if I was better prepared, I would, but there, there are Christian songs and Christian artists that are able to bounce back and forth between Christian radio and contemporary radio because the lyrics are so kind of ambiguous like that. Whereas you can listen to it as a Christian, you'd be like, okay, I guess we're singing about Jesus. And then you listen to it on like the regular radio stations. Like, okay, I guess this song is about your boyfriend. Like, Here's a prominent example. Okay. And I really don't want to pick on this person, so I'm not even going to say the name. I'm not going to pick on the person. I'm going to pick on the lyrics. Okay. Is that fair? That's fair. Okay. We're going to deal with the writing. Okay. Not the person. You say I am strong when I am weak. Mm-hmm. That's that's a for real line. Yeah. You say I am strong when I am when I'm weak or when I when I feel weak. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, when when did when did he when did he say that? Yeah. Didn't he say to Joshua be strong and courageous? Yeah. He didn't say Joshua listen, listen, listen buddy. Listen pal. <laughs> you know, I I know you're really scared of all the giants and stuff that you saw like 40 years ago yeah. because they're still there and maybe they've propagated a little bit more Yeah, and, and things are, things are looking real bad, but I just want you to know, Joshy, how strong you are. Yeah. Like you're brave. If, if you could see how brave you are in the way that I see how brave you are, you'd be so brave. <laughs> Like no, yeah, <laughs> no. God, God said, "Be strong and courageous." Yeah, like because there were good reasons to not be, and apparently he needed to be told so. Yeah, like he he he's being told so because it's it's to fill up a lack. Well, and and I think what this speaks to, and like, like again, I can't think of good examples of these particularly, but it's just like the shallowness of some of the the lyrics nowadays, or even just like, and this gets into one of his other one. Uh, let me just read these other ones real quick. Overemphasis on emotion, flat out not good musically. He makes a comment about how it's like, you know, country music, three bars and the truth, right? He's like, Christian music's the same way. It's form- Three bars and heresy? It's it, well, it's formulaic. <laughs> and then he says yeah. it's, it's, it's theologically bankrupt. And so, like, I, I've long said this, right? Like, and there's a, different elements to this where I've been to these contemporary worship services, right? Where instead of filling 15 minutes with, like, five songs we're filling 15 minutes with three songs. So rather than singing five songs, or one song, we're singing, instead of singing five songs one time, we sing three songs five times, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and so it's like, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you open the eyes of my heart, Lord. It's like, okay. <laughs> how many times are we going to open our the eyes of our heart like how does a heart have eyes i don't okay whatever i mean i mean like i don't even i don't even know i mean that's not an unscriptural line but it's like you take something i don't know it's sort of like taking like a little piece of an apple and then i don't know wrapping it with 
like throwing it in the dirt or something and then like chowing down on the apple. It's like, well, okay, like I still ate an apple, but like there's some stuff there I didn't need. Yeah. Well, but to me, it's almost like a combination of the two because how many chords are in that song? Uh, Let's see. Uh, Well, two, three, four. Yeah. Four chords. So going back to something you said, you reminded me of this and, and it's to this guy's point about it being not good musically and potentially theologically bankrupt. And then this idea of, again, like the really just the shallow, shallow lyrics. Um, I, there's a video on YouTube. It's the evolution of music. So not Christian music, but although if you go far back and back far enough, it is Christian music, right? Cause when you're looking at Bach and Beethoven and Chopin and, and Tchaikovsky, like a lot of that is, was church music at one point. Right. Uh, and we can get into the instrumental. Well, already. there was church music and there was court music, which is sort of the same thing because, you know, the church music was was in a sense the the court music of heaven. Yeah, but what I my point is this is is you listen to this guy. This so this video is this guy, he's on the piano, but the whole time he's like he's like his hands are over here and he's looking at the camera and he does all of this while staring at the camera oddly. So it's entertaining <laughs> in that regard. But what's like sad about it is we start with again Bach and Beethoven and Mozart and we progress through the years and we, you know, all these great musicians and we end with like Taylor Swift and it goes from, I mean, like if you even hear, I think it's Mozart or Beethoven's uh, variations in G, which is basically twinkle, twinkle little star, but it's like 20 versions of it. Mm-hmm. Like it's just brilliant musically. And then, and you, and you evolve from that to modern day pop music. Yeah. It's just kind of embarrassing where we are musically in our culture. Like there's like, we're, we are not, a musical people in the true sense, I think, you know? Um, and, and I think there's a lot of like things that we're missing out on because of that, which we probably don't have time to get into. But I'm, what I guess my point is, is if we have this, this lack of, uh, I guess I'll say music appreciation or musicianship, let's say, or I don't know what, yeah. If we have this, if we have, if we have this lack of musicianship in culture, like naturally, it's going to make its way into the church, and so I think there's some of that there too, right? Yeah, I think there's always been higher and lower music, and I think that, like, I think that the critique of our culture is correct. How, however, a lot of times the the music that would sur- survive would be music that 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 happened to be, um, not simply more widely known, but maybe uh well you know the music for a long time was you know these classical musicians were were sponsored by like they were the uh they had patrons mm-hmm. you know like different kings or queens or royal this that and the other and because of that th- there was the ability to to publish you know to record the music whereas you know folk music would have to just sort of continue through the the oral tradition and i would say that, that what we have now is a whole lot of bad folk music because yeah. like we still have classical music both old classical music and new classical music of a high quality mm-hmm. being produced um i mean you have guys like chris Thiele mm-hmm. who gets together with like you know yo-yo ma yeah and you know he, he pounds it out on on mandolin like classical mandolin mm-hmm. while yo-yo ma does his thing so there's really impressive things going on, and and I, I think that that you, that you could also say that the common people 
would have always been closer to whatever the, the folk music was. But but that the church, like somebody would have had a, a lot better chance of of hearing a higher quality music or a higher like a higher level of skill in music through the church than they would through the court. Yeah. I mean, like the, the you know, whatever the, the regal court was. And so, you know, culture is going to do what culture does. Cultures produce music. There's, you know, this this hierarchy. There, there are higher forms and there are lower forms. Mm-hmm. But what's happened is that in the church, you know, and on the one hand, maybe it makes sense that, that you know, in a sense, you might, there might be some advantageous aspects of, causing the the sacred music to take on folk elements yeah but you were talking earlier well just when we were talking before uh the podcast about balance yeah and it seems like maybe there there's a there's an imbalance to where what a lot of people are getting is really dumbed down essentially folk music and and like I would include pop, you know, the Taylor Swift types mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. And I've actually heard folk musicians make the argument that rap, hip hop, and pop music is actually folk. Yeah. Music, and we don't have to go down that that rabbit trail, just to say that like music in the church is very significant, and it ha- it can have a profound impact on bringing the truth to people in ways that they wouldn't access it otherwise. Well, I guess my point was more along like to what we've discussed before where I wouldn't even say kids, people are capable of a lot more than we think they are. Right. Yes. And yes. so to your point about shape notes and how that was made so that the common folk could sing. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I guess what I'm saying is, whereas now you have some folks that could barely even harmonize with, let's say here I am to worship or open the eyes of my heart, Lord, or name the kind of, Man, we need we even we need even need something more contemporary than that to make this point. Which again, I don't know. Like I know the songs when I hear them, but I couldn't name them to you. Right I could now. sing of your love forever. But my point is, this is where there was a time where the average churchgoer, we could sing the spacious firmament on high, and they could keep up. Right. Yeah. The spacious firmament on high with all the like the like. There's some pretty crazy uh, runs in that song, right? Yeah. And we and, and we have songs like that. And, and I mean, we do it here, right? Like we sing some pretty difficult songs weekly. Yes. Here, you know, we don't sing them weekly. We sing them well. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so I guess to me, it's like it's one of those things where like what came first. Uh, bad music or bad musicians like or, or, or you know like it did did we did we create like less competent people uh, what, what man what am I trying to say here because people are just less competent musically than they once were I guess in society writ large and in the church and so how did that happen because we stopped expecting you know people to know music just in general or uh but I mean, like to your point, like I've, like I don't. I mean, I mean, how many times we talked about MXPX on here? You know, speaking <laughs> of three chords and the truth, right? Like, how, how many times have we talked about MXPX? Not enough, right? I, I feel like we're gonna have to have a whole separate, yeah, like '90s and 2000s, like, well, there's already podcasts for that, but we may as well. But like to your the point of, to your point about my point on balance, right? Like, like like I've said before, like. 
I have a French press. I have an arrow press. I have a pour over. But they say in the army, the coffee's mighty fine. It looks like muddy water and tastes like turpentine. Like, I'll drink whatever. Like, I'm not above <laughs> that also. And so the same thing with music. Like, I don't not appreciate Taylor Swift. Or maybe to, to like, in, in the church sense, like, uh, Toby Mac. Like, I don't not appreciate them. But I also feel like there's a maturity issue here where you you, you should also appreciate uh, Fanny Crosby. Right? You know who Fanny Crosby is? Yes, I, I know who Fanny Crosby is. <clears throat> and I'm like I'm not gonna step on any toes. Okay. Uh to the one Blessed th- Assurance, number twenty one, Great Songs of the Church. Okay. You don't like that one? It it's okay. Uh, man, this is so this is the most heretical thing that I will have ever said on this mm-hmm. podcast. I'm not a huge fan of Fanny Crosby. As okay. a writer, as a writer, okay, her I, testimony, her I, witness, spot on, like, better example th- than than I could ever hope to be. Also, her story wasn't she blind? Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Like okay. her her testimony, like like who she was as a person, mm-hmm. the way she overcame. I just mean the, the 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 songs. I'm not a huge fan of the mm-hmm. core of her work. I knew somebody was going to get their feelings hurt, and I guess it's me. Because <laughs> I was going to say, like, when we talk about, he talks about things being theologically bankrupt. Like, I could see that as compared to, like, a wonderful savior. Like, I mentioned this one day when I was leading. Yeah, saying, that one's pretty good. Well, this idea, like, I've never, I'd never appreciated this idea of hiding hiding me in the cleft of the rock, right? Mm-hmm. Until I took some time to read the Bible, you know, <laughs> and understood. And so, like that song means more to me now, more now that I understand the the scripture that it's the, like the scripture it's literally quoting. Yeah, the Moses bit. Yeah, and this idea of just wanting to see God so much because you spent so much time with Him, you know. Um. Okay, what about this one? I'm going to kind of jump back because we talked about this out there when we were supposed to not be talking. Oops. The line of Judah being unmentioned and unmentionable. Agree or disagree with him on that? When it comes to, you know, the average pop contemporary sort of music, mm-hmm. man, I, like I'm so disconnected from it now that it, it's hard to say, but I would say that that's not an unfair assessment on his part. Yeah. Well, again, I, I think... What interests me about this guy, and I'm gonna ju- kind of jump ahead here because one of the things he talks about when he talks about kind of his history with church music, he attended a Church of Christ as a, a young man, as a kid, and then Baptist church, and then you know non-denominational church as an adult. And uh, I feel like a lot of the things that he's citing are maybe less of a problem in churches where they sing hymns because, you know, what is this? Hail Jesus, you're my King, right? Hail, hail, Line of Judah, like. Yeah, and that's all right. Yeah. Not my favorite song. But, camp song. But nobody's... That would be a camp song. Yeah, but nobody's running away from the Lion of Judah, you know. Yeah, no, I mean, in in the blue book, we've got Encamped Along the Hills of Light, a.k.a. Faith is the Victory. Yep. Uh, soldiers of Christ, Christ Arise. Yep. Christ the Lord is Risen Today. Yep. We're Marching to Zion. Oh, yeah, that, that that's a good one. Oh, yeah. Um, Before Jehovah's Awful Throne. Mm-hmm. Which is to the tune of the old hundredth. Mm-hmm. Before Jehovah's awful throne, mm-hmm. something, something, something. It's really awful <laughs> when you're before his throne. It's yeah. scary. Something like that. We should probably do, man, like we don't have time for everything, but uh, all the songs that like, they're, that are corny. Like, uh, I always couldn't, my dad couldn't stand it. Therefore, I couldn't stand it. The idea of I stand in awe. 
Like you ever been to those churches where we sit there oh, and yeah. we sing it and it's like everybody's just waiting. And then when as soon as we sing, I stand in awe, everybody has to stand up and it's like, I was always wanting to be like, oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah, but you know, even, even that song, the thesis statement is, I am standing. Yeah. Like that's, can, can I confess something else? Well, let me finish my point though. Okay, sorry. His I, whole I, thing is like, okay, what other other songs are we gonna are we gonna act out? Are we gonna march to Zion? Are we gonna break bread on our knees? You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, shoot! Now we're talking. Yeah. Now we're talking about the kind of churches that my wife grew up in. Yeah, right. <laughs> what did you need to confess? This is a safe space. Okay, this is a safe space. I won't tell anyone. Well, in high school, mm-hmm. at my little Christian high school, yeah when there would be you know like these 10 o'clock on tuesday or thursday afternoon chapels yeah and there'd be the altar call yeah and you know there'd be the weeping and the gnashing of the teeth Mm -hmm. and and all that i was so skeptical of like emotional expression Mm -hmm. maybe partially rightly maybe partially wrongly yeah or you know just as everybody closes their eyes, just stand up if you want to accept Christ. Yeah. You know, with everybody's eyes closed so yep. that, you know, you don't feel em- embarrassed yeah, that, yeah. you know, you're accepting Christ. Mm-hmm. And my friends and I would, would leave singing, sit down, sit down for Jesus, <laughs> who don't follow the crowd. <laughs> I, I think that we had a full verse of that. Yeah. Uh, man. <laughs> Uh, what's that one? It's it was a camp song. Uh, Sing hallelujah to the Lord. My dad was <laughs> he made this point. He's like he's like he's like I hate that song. You can <laughs> I like, love that song. He's like you can insert any lyrics into it too. He's like I've got a booger in my nose. <laughs> <laughs> the other one, the other thing I hate that we do in Church of Christ is sing songs, Amazing Grace, to the tunes of different songs. Because, oh yeah, because it has that. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, he's like, I hate when we do that. He's like, you know, we we could sing it to the tune of Gilligan's Island if we wanted to. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Yeah. <laughs> I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Was blind, now, now I, I see. see. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, th- I think my dad led that in church. Well, like it, it, to his point earlier too about like the content for men is usually secular, broad, and corny. Again, like how I, about Jesus loves me to the Flintstones. <laughs> Can you do that one? Jesus, Jesus loves me. <laughs> Jesus loves me, loves me this, I know. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. That's a tangent. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so those are the eight problems he had with contemporary music. And I swear, folks, we're going to get to some scripture. Uh, maybe. You're right? not supposed to swear. Sorry. So then he talks about five reasons contemporary music is for women and effeminate men. And some of this bleeds into some of the other stuff he talks about the overemphasis on emotions, uh, theologically bankrupt. Okay. And so, so, so reason number one, um, is that women consume it more than men. And so, uh, he talks about how you so okay. Love. I think people are familiar with that. When I was in North Carolina, we had air one. That's another air one. one. Yep. Uh, he, so he talks about these radio stations and how, uh, Basically, they are targeting that demographic, and and why shouldn't they? Because that's who's listening to it. And so, in this book, "Why Men Don't Go to Church" by David Morrow, he 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 uh, 
bouts off some statistics. It says radio radio listeners in general mirror that of the population. So people who listen to the radio generally, women 51.7%, males 48.3%. But when it comes to Christian radio, it's 63% female and 37% male. And so I think his point there is that there is a uh, like a market incentive to target women with this contemporary worship music. And, and that's what's interesting. And I, I talked to, we mentioned this when we were sitting out in the fellowship hall talking, like, I think what we need to make maybe differentiate here too, is like, we're, we're not just talking about worship. We're talking about corporate worship, because I think those can be different things. You know, if you're, if you're outside mowing the lawn and singing a hymn as you do it, like, is that theoretically worship? Like, sure. Like there's like, there's things that, that, but, but you know, what's appropriate for the individual isn't necessarily appropriate for like the congregation, let's say. Right. And worship is another one of those words. Like you and I have done this several times. Mm -hmm. It's one of those churchy words Mm -hmm. that's, that's important. It's an important word, but it, it doesn't mean that we understand it very well. Yeah. Um, we don't understand it very well in terms of what the original words were and and therefore what they convey in the scriptures, nor how those words even separated from like what their proper definitions are, like how, how they're used in the scriptures. Yeah. So that's, that's a problem. Uh, I I don't know if we want to get into that specifically, but I do think that there's a lot of misunderstanding about worship. I think a really good way of, of understanding it though is attention. Yeah. Like whatever, like what you're paying attention to is, is worship to say that like we need to worship God is to say that we need to pay attention to him. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Yep. So the next point he makes is that again, this is five reasons. Contemporary music is for women and feminine men. Reason number two, there's an emphasis on emotions and feelings, which we talked about above. So he says that K love, for example, is very heavy on love songs. And in fact, they have a mythical average listener that they call Kathy. And so this is where Karen or Karen, right. And this is where he kind of makes the point that again, you listen to a lot of these songs on these radio stations and like, man, I used to listen to air one pretty, pretty religiously. I'll say (laughs) when I was in North Carolina. And so again, without being able to name specific songs, and I've always kind of felt this way too about about Christian music, where I was always like, I'm wanting, I'm like, I wanted rock, and somebody's like, I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm like, do we have anything heavier? It's like, uh, well, do you like, uh, like, what about, uh, see, like, I can't, I can't think of one. What about Newsboys? I'm like, that's Newsboys. Yeah, that's not rock, you know. And so that's how I ended up finding like MXPX, but then like the Skillets and Disciple and some of these other actual rock bands you know right but oftentimes like these rock bands i mean they're not they're not worship bands they're, they're not christian in the sense that they're producing christian yeah content and i'm not saying that that's that that's a, a bad thing <laughs> but there are ones there are ones that are like again oftentimes like, their, their music was better well and there, but there are bands that have like uh i mean like i was talking about august burns red beforehand like you look yeah. at the lyrics of some of their song i mean it's it's I would say religious content, but you know what? It's not, not, it's not on air one, mm-hmm. you know, which I think is kind of his point because it's not positive and uplifting. Yeah. Positive, encouraging, right? Um, no bad feelings here ever. Yeah. <laughs> it's so he, uh, he goes on to say that the music is written and performed and he, he talks about, I guess, 
So, so we're hearing these songs on the radio, and of course they make their way into corporate worship, which is that's kind of the point I was making earlier. Like that's that's odd. Like I don't know if that was ever a thing in the past. You know, like were they pay, playing Fanny Crosby on the radio and we started singing it in church, or you know, I I don't know. And so he says, so so stuff makes its way into the church, and it's written and performed by effeminate men and women primarily. So if you go to these big rock and roll churches, and I've been to a few of those, they either have the band on stage and the and the worship like the the singers or even like in church of christ maybe they'll, you'll have these worship teams where there's he, he talks about it the 11 people on stage you know mm-hmm. and it is it's predominantly there's a lot of females on stage and then um i guess his point is this is there's like it's just these artsy folks he right brain right brained artsy folks he says that might be one of his best points yeah soft he talks about the softness of worship leaders and he talks about spiky hair skinny jeans square toe shoes and plastic glasses yikes <laughs> it's like oh man that was kind of on the nose you know yeah but that and that gets into i guess questions of temperament which mm-hmm. jordan peterson i i think that the stuff that he said from a psychological perspective about the influence of temperament is, is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Like how, how uh, temperament tends to be a, a very good predictor of like conservative versus liberal or artistic versus maybe, I don't know, analytical. Yeah. Um, and that, that is to say that, that we need both. And so, man, I hate to use the word systemic, Yeah. but if there's a whole lot of money, being focused on producing a certain type of content directed at half of the human demographic. Mm-hmm. And then the the people who happen to like that being of a certain temperament and those people being the ones who are like artistic and can reproduce that music for churches, mm-hmm. you know, that does lead to imbalance. Right. Like, like you were talking about. So yeah, that, that's a, that's a problem. Yeah. And, and again, I've, you know, as somebody who's led singing for several years, I'm very much aware that uh, 50% of the population being women don't get to pick the songs every week. And so I've always tried to be, be mindful of that and pick songs that I think will appeal to them. And like I was saying this to you before, uh, and, and I think that ends up being like the slower songs. And, and and this is kind of maybe jumping ahead to stuff we're going to talk about, but like, and I'm not saying the slower song is a is a girl song, let's say, right? I mean, Sweet Will of God is one of my favorite songs. Like, it's one that, you know, moves me, brings me to tears. And and musically and lyrically, it's just, it's it's great, right? Um, and, and, but I think that's, and I think it's some, it's a song that is going to be preferable to the females as opposed to a, our God, he is alive, let's say. And we and get into the kind of my theories on that here in a second. But my point being, you know, if you're a worship leader, song leader, whatever you want to call it, like you need to be certainly mindful of what we're really here to do, which is worship God. And that's kind of why I'm talking about true and proper worship. Like what, what we should be doing is glorifying God, but then also like mindful of your audience and like all of your audience. Right. And so if you're singing too much of any one type of song, like you're, you're driving people away. I think potentially. Or, or they're just sitting there suffering for the first twenty minutes of worship service, which is what <laughs> kind of what he says, right? Yeah. Um, and then, so the next part he might makes, and this is that was uh, that was three was all lamb and no lion. Four was music is written and performed by effeminate men and women. And the last one is that lyrical content is homoerotic. So that comes back to that Jesus is my boyfriend thing. And so uh, 
I'm about to go off in another direction with this, but I know there was a point you had discuss, we had discussed before that you kind of wanted to make. So I'll just say this. He kind of concludes the podcast with his solution to the problem, which is kind of like, it's almost like the same problem, but on the other end of the scale, I think is what we've kind of discussed already. Yeah, yeah. And that's like, he, he's a fan of Christian metal, which I love. I mean, I like Christian metal. I don't think that having it in worship is the solution to the problem he's describing. Um, and that some of that gets into like the instrumental music thing too, which I, we'll probably talk a little bit about. But uh, you want to make the point that you were making before? Yeah. So, um, brother Kyle here. So he 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 describes this this problem with with music, which I think that we, you know, we, we might differ a little bit on some of the details, but I would say that by and large we we agree that there are problems with, let's contemporary music, let's say. Mm-hmm. And, and we agree that, I mean, it, it seems statistically true that it is kind of marketed towards women and that that's the music that's showing up in the church when it really is just made for half of the, the demographic. You know, that, that just seems like a, a problem. But he, he, he seems to, even though he, he plays some, some lip service to uh, that music needs to be good music and it needs to be theologically strong. Mm-hmm. I, I think that the the example that he was offering as an antidote to that maybe wasn't the best. Uh, brother Brother Kyle was suggesting that that we we focus on the men more mm-hmm. in I guess the the planning of worship or considering men more. And like overall, I th- I think he's got a, a good point, but I think that I think that there, there's there's too much focus put on just shallow gender stuff yeah and and we we need to like when it comes to 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 music and and all sorts of things like not just music we need to really think about what's what's best Mm -hmm. you know going back to romans 12 1 and 2 you know offer your bodies a living sacrifice uh don't conform to the pattern of the world be transformed by the renewing of your minds then you will be able to test and approve what god's will is Mm mm-hmm is good, pleasing, and perfect will, you know, so you may be, be able to determine what is best. Mm-hmm. So, so it, the Lord calls us to try to determine what is, what is best. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that what's best is to, so if there's shallow feminine music that's out there in the church, well, the problem is that it's shallow, not that it's feminine. Right. And so the, the antidote to that is not, any music that happens to be masculine, you know, metal, let's say, mm-hmm. which, you know, is loud, aggressive, um, prone to violent imagery mm-hmm. or warlike imagery, which I'm not saying that there's no place for that, but you, you can't you can't just fix the one problem by sort of going with whatever the, the shallow mirror opposite yeah. happens to be. Right. So I think that the focus needs to be not, well, this is feminine, so it's bad. It's, well, no, like, is it is it good music? Is it good theology? Mm-hmm. Because there's, I mean, male and female, he, he created them. So it's, it's together that we, you know, uh, proclaim and d- display and enact the image of God. I think that's sort of what I was getting at. Well, and there, I guess you're... Your point you made though again, kind of you look at the hierarchy, right? Yeah, and yeah. The, and the church being the bride of Christ, like there is an element of. I mean, I guess we could say, feminine is good. 
Yeah, no given, kidding. Given the proper context, right? Right. Uh, given the proper application. Um, like something that's like truly feminine. And, and I guess like I should mention like like the, the function of the masculine as opposed to the function of the feminine, mm-hmm. you know, totally apart from biology, let's right. say. Right. Even though like biology does end up manifesting the the, the form mm-hmm. of, of masculine and feminine. So masculine would, would be that which initiates mm-hmm. that which initiates action and the feminine would be that which reciprocates um so like if we think about christ being the head of the church mm-hmm. and the church being the bride of christ well i mean it means that he's he's the head he's the he's the one who has authority like he's the one that we look to for all of the things that a wife looks to a husband for it in the in the best possible yeah uh context yeah like the in, like in all the right ways the scriptures say that um that Christ is the head of the church as man is the head of head of woman mm-hmm. or the, the head of the wife so i know a lot of people are really down on not simply patriarchy but but hierarchy yeah period yep. even though the only thing that you can replace hierarchy with is another hierarchy yeah so it's it's kind of silly but like i i really wish you know one, one thing that c.s lewis says in the abolition of man is he criticizes debunkers mm-hmm. people who uh will take a bad piece of literature and they'll say it's bad but they they don't actually properly identify what's bad about it yeah and the way that you do that is you contrast the bad with the good. Yeah. Um, so if if you have like a particular song, contemporary song, whatever, plucked from the trove of K Love, you know, playlists. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this it's kind of feminine and self centered, uh, whatever, whatever problem you you want to say that the song has. Mm-hmm. Okay, the problem is not that it's it's feminine. So you need to lay you need to set that right beside. A song that also comes from a feminine perspective or espouses like a feminine spirit mm-hmm. um, like one of submission to Christ yeah but but does it well like like the theology is good maybe it quotes scripture and it's you know musically um, compelling and uh, yeah complex yeah and so like that's that's the real antidote like it, or it's like with uh, you know, secret service agents and uh, I don't know, this might be apocryphal, but the the secret service agents who go into like counterfeiting Mm -hmm. or detecting counterfeits, like they they don't, they don't, they don't study the the counterfeits. They study the genuine article. Right. So that's when you have the genuine article, then, then the, then the fakes are laid bare. Right. Okay. So now we're going to go off in the left field. Okay. All right. So I mentioned before, like he starts at the beginning of the podcast talking about his history and he talks about how he started off attending a church of Christ mentions that we, you know, practice acapella worship and that he just, he didn't like it. And so I guess when I hear a lot of the things that he's saying, I want to make the case for hymns because I feel like it answers the mail on a lot of these issues. So uh, question, what are your thoughts broadly on acapella singing versus instrumental? I'm really thankful that <clears throat> that I'm part of a congregation that is a cappella. Okay. I, I don't I don't think that <clears throat> and 
I, I think that the people in the Church of Christ who try to prove from the scriptures that instrumental worship in the church is always and everywhere wrong, mm-hmm. I, like I've not heard any good argument for it. Okay. At, at all, like I've I've not heard a single argument that to me passes scriptural muster. Yeah. So you might say, well, then why do you want to be in an acapella church? Well, I think because there, there's a there's a simplicity to it that I think is compelling, important, significant. I think the the, the self sufficiency is 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 really good. Like. You know, we don't we don't have to have we don't have to have an instrument. Yeah, and you know, it could be that the early church oftentimes didn't have an instrument. I I just don't think we know. I mean, th- th- there might be some. I don't know if if you look in the the early church fathers, maybe maybe we could find out more information than than what I know right now. But I guess my position is that I do not think, from a scriptural perspective, that there that there should should necessarily be prohibitions on instrumental worship. However, I'm not looking to give up acapella worship in, in our congregation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm not interested in exploring, yeah. you know, a- adding in instruments. It's be, but like for the same reason that I'm, I don't really think we need a fog machine. <laughs> I I, th- I think that, that that's that's what it is. I think that it's a th- there's something to the simplicity. Now, on the other hand, there are arguments. I think that there are scriptural arguments for using instruments, and I mean, after all, it, it says in the Psalms to worship Him with with you know cymbals and lyres and like all sorts of instruments, and it, it tells the musicians to play skillfully, and so there's you get the sense that in the temple that there, there was like this kind of majestic display of musical craftsmanship, which I, I, in, in a way, maybe, maybe we're, we're missing out on that in the churches of Christ. Um, but man, I, I think that whether somebody's instrumental or acapella, it's gotta be something that's thoughtful and prayerful. And I would say that, in my experience, there are congregations that do acapella really poorly, mm-hmm. and there are congregations that do it really well. There are congregations who do instruments well, and there, and I, don't, I and I don't simply mean skillfully. I mean like uh, with the proper attitude. Um, so, I guess you know a piano is a. I guess a piano is a is a good analogy. Like how many wrong keys are there on the piano? Mm-hmm. Well, you might say none, or you might say all of them. Right. So yeah, that's, how about you? So um, I guess I'm undecided, I will say. I will say if, I speak, if I'm speaking this purely from the perspective of preference, I definitely prefer acapella music. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of it goes into the stuff you're talking about. Like I can sing anywhere I go. We see examples of in the New Testament, or in the Old, yeah, in the New Testament of the disciples being in some pretty bad situations. Well, even the Old Testament, right? And we'll talk about some of those here in a second. And uh, they could sing, right? But they didn't have to fire up the yeah. guitar. They didn't have to tune it, tune anything, right? They just they could sing. And so you're not limited in your ability to worship. I think you see more participation when there isn't instruments because your voices are all you have. Um, and then there's some of it I just can't explain. Like when we do our the yearly singing here, and we have all these people crammed into a room, and we let out that first note of whatever the first song, like nothing beats all of those those 
uh, voices singing in harmony yeah in my book like to me that is what heaven feels like you know yeah i th- i think historically speaking though there wasn't harmony in uh like by the first century was there <laughs> i don't know i'm i'm probably in africa now, it's, it's, hey somebody somebody can fact check me on this and like leave a comment or send us a message or something but from what i remember from like music history harmony i i think wasn't a thing yet really i kind of feel like since there's been humans there's probably been harmony i i, I told you I, I i could be wrong i could be wrong i took a music appreciation class i know there were some <clears throat> chords that were forbidden like dissonant mm-hmm. chords right yeah so when it comes to like uh the use of instruments or the not, not you know, we're, we'll talk about it here a second, like, because I, I did a little bit of research on, on why the Church of Christ does a cappella. Um, you know, I'll, I'll let us arrive at my point when we get there. So okay. pr- purely from perspective of preference, that's why I prefer it for it. So kind of same, generally same idea. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on hymns then as, as opposed to like the contemporary songs? Like what are the value of hymns? <clears throat> I strongly prefer hymns. Yeah. <clears throat> so so when I flip through great songs of the church, which I, I really do appreciate and enjoy mm-hmm. and respect that particular compilation of songs. Yeah. I've got n- nothing but good things to say about it. Um, and so I guess that you remember how I said that the, uh, the revised great songs of the church, mm-hmm. that there was one thing about it, that, about it that I liked. Yeah. And that's that it gives the date of every song. Yeah. I mean, it gives the date of the the tune and the date of the lyrics, mm-hmm. which are not always the same thing, especially when you're dealing with, you know, different, uh, different lyricist. I mean, a lyricist as opposed to you know the composer. Yeah. You know, there's you there's oftentimes a, a gap there. The songs to which I gravitate are the oldest ones in the book. Yeah. And, and and I think that that's always been the case. I don't think it's some sort of. Uh, Acquired taste. Yeah. Let's say. Yeah. I think I think that, that I've always for some reason been drawn to the to the really old ones. There now if I knew more about music, I mm-hmm. think I could speak to this more. But there's I mean, think about like Oh Sacred Head Now Wounded. Yeah, I love that song. Man. Like the the, the way that it the way that it moves. Um you know, we don't have very many songs that are in minor keys. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of them are major, but they like Abide with Me would probably be another for that, is that a minor key? Abide with me, fast falls the even time. Doesn't sound like a major key to me. It, it might be minor. We don't have ver- songs, very many songs that are that are in a minor key. Mm-hmm. The ones that are, man, or the ones that are. Uh, it puts you in a place, though, right? I mean, like yeah, yeah, or uh, like the Gregorian chants, like mm-hmm. when I survey the wondrous cross, yeah. which I'm pretty sure yep. is at least derived from like Gregorian sources. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like I, I love the old ones. So then the question is why? Like like what's what's going on here? Well, I think that things that that last that like there's a there's a reason. Yeah. There's a reason that, that they last. Mm-hmm. I mean the the Great Wall of China is still doing its thing and the, the dog house that I built five years ago is already gone. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So there, there's something, there, there's a reason, mm-hmm. even if we can't define it in super technical terms, like we can recognize superior craftsman, craftsmanship yeah. 
and and we're 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 com- I'm compelled by that. So I, I I love old songs. I also love the idea of like the further back we get, the closer we get to to the source mm-hmm. of of all this. Um, you know, and you we've talked before about you know modern culture being dumbed down. Yeah. To a to a large extent, and that that just wasn't the case. Well, I. I guess society has always ebbed and flowed in terms of, uh, I guess the the level of education of the general populace. Mm-hmm. But we're going through a time of being dumbed down. Yeah. And yeah, I, I I like I like the old stuff. Yeah. So I mean, I, I do too, and I guess that's kind of the point I'm making here because, and here's the thing, right? Like, I think when you have corporate worship people singing together. Um, on the one hand, it could be very, some of these new songs can be very simple. And then some of them are like maybe unnecessarily complex or what it is, is we, we try to take, cause you'll see that a lot of this now where they're trying to take contemporary songs and make them acapella. And it doesn't work because there's these parts where there's musical interludes. So there's these weird pauses yeah. as we try to make it work. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but I guess the case I want to make is as it pertains to Mr. You know, brother Kyle, brother Kyle's point is this is brother Kyle. I think this, that a lot of these hymns answer the mail on a lot of what his complaints are. And so to your point about like, again, good feminine songs, right? Mm-hmm. Named, I've named a couple of the slow ones that I really like. Another one is uh, uh, The Lord's My Shepherd, like the Lord's my shepherd, like that one. Again, that's, that's a, a song, great like, song. I can still hear my mom singing that song yeah. and I can't get through it, you know? And you can't say that that's <clears throat> theologically bankrupt, right? Right. Great song. <clears throat> and so to your point, right? Like the answer to bad feminine songs is good feminine songs. That is a good feminine right. song, right? right? Peace, perfect pe- peace, right? <clears throat> I guess I think you could probably say that that's maybe a little feminine. I don't know. It's a slow song if that's Yeah, but you, and you know like like the masculine and the feminine is typically just not something that that I'm aware of. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's bad to be to be aware of it, but I don't know that that every every song in the book is is easily gendered, right? So well, to speak. Even, even though the, there there really are some. I mean, like "Rise Up, O Men of God." Except that it's it's not it's not a purely masculine thing to say well, "Rise Up, O Men of God," because like men and women together should say that. Well, but my point, like, I think there is a way to see it, though, right? Because, like, so to your point, right? Be thou my vision. That's a slow song. I don't think it's feminine, right? But if you take a song like the one I just mentioned, The Lord's My Shepherd, The Lord's My Shepherd, I'll not want, He makes me down to lie. And what happens next? Just the females. Yeah. In pastures green. Like we are, it does have a, a female. We are showcasing lead. female voices there. Yeah. Right? Good, good point. So here's, here's the point I'm making, right? I wonder if Kyle Thompson would feel any differently if he knew... There is a God, he is alive, in him we live, and we survive, right? Or how about this? Uh, (laughs) He bore it all that I might live, or, and I mentioned this one the other day, and you... How about, oh, sorry, go ahead. There is a God, he is alive, like, in him we live. Why are those songs awesome? The male lead. Yeah, the bass. Yeah. Because bass is what makes things, I'll say, rock, <laughs> right? 
Yeah, yeah, I think so. And like we already talked about this, like marching to Zion. You know, low. What a glorious sight appears. That's another five fifty-five. Well, that's another like, and that's a that that's like musically difficult. Yeah, yeah, it's difficult. Low, what a glorious sight appears. You are believing eyes. The, the earth and sea are passed away. Like I don't. Earth and sea are passed away. I only know the bass part in that song. You know. Yeah, and like I know the tenor better because we actually did that when I was in high school. Yeah. I mean, like my my Christian high school chorus. Man, well, I five fifty five doesn't get any. Be- but even that one has like the. His own soft hand shall wipe the tear. Yeah, and it's got that that soft part. Right, but even you even think of like uh, even more contemporary songs. Right, I will call upon the Lord. Right, male right? male lead. Like showcase men singing, and, and maybe maybe he'd have a different, uh, I guess, take on it. I wonder. Yeah, but by his own admission, he's not really a music guy. Well, that's again, kind of goes back to what I was saying before. Like that's part of the problem. We are musically <clears throat> ignorant in our culture and yeah. more and more so in the church. Yeah. I mean like go to you go to these churches now like here's something we haven't mentioned. We have song books here, right? Here's where we're going to start stepping on toes, right? <laughs> Man, like I don't like the screens. I'm, and, I'm yeah, I'm not getting rid of my I'm, book. I'm better with it when they actually put the music and the notes on the screen, yeah. but then you get the slide guy who can't keep up and like <laughs> I should have the song memorized except I don't remember which verse we're right. on, right? But then some of these churches, it's literally just a PowerPoint slide with words on it, you know? Yeah, personally, I either... So it's it's really good to not need a book. It's really good to just have it in your heart and to know it. Yeah. Like, that's that's awesome. But if not, give me a book. Yeah. Because the book still works when the power goes out. And so, and, and here's something, and this is kind of where we're going to... I want to get into this a little bit because I want to talk about why the Church of Christ sings a cappella. I don't know what how long we've been going. I guess we'll just keep plugging away. But and I'm going to kind of jump ahead here. Part of what I think when we look at Church of Christ, I guess Re- Restoration Church of Christ, understanding that what they were trying to do is like what restoration? What are they doing? They're trying to restore. They're trying to go back to what the first century church was like. I feel at like at least in theory. Yeah, at least in theory. I feel like that there's an element of this where. <clears throat> I mean, because even nowadays, it's just like some of the stuff, it's just like it's too much, you know, like there's just too much going on. Right. And even the Church of Christ, like I've been to congregations before where we have to have the worship meeting on Thursday so that we can (laughs) worship on Sunday. Yeah. And it's just like, man, it's just it's too much. Like, why can't we just show up? And I pick the songs and we sing what I pick out and I just announce the songs and people turn to the page. And if there's a song that you, you really want to sing, like yeah. just give it to me on a piece of paper and I'll try to work it in next time. And, and and also like, why do my songs have to be on the theme of the sermon? Like do those things need to necessarily, why can't they be mutually, mutually exclusive? Uh, because you know, I can maybe put one or two songs on the theme for the sermon, but we're going to do a communion song, right? Like, and like the invitation yeah. songs probably gonna have an invitation feel to it. Like maybe you're just making this harder than it needs to be, you know? Yeah, I think that that's sort of derived from like 1980s business models, mm-hmm. like mission statements, yeah, core values. I, like I remember I had to do this thing for school where I think I had to have both a mission statement mm-hmm. and a vision statement. Yeah. It's like, so wait, so you're splitting the hair of mission and vision? Yeah. Like what are, what, what are, we, what are we doing here? It's like, 
purpose-driven sermon. Yeah. Pur- or purpose-driven church. Uh, not to cast aspersions on that book necessarily. I don't, I, I read, it, read it, but I don't really remember a whole lot about it. But it's a bit formulaic. And, and I, I, like, I agree with what you're saying about, like, it's, it's certainly not what the early church did. Well, and so here's the point I'm making, right? Where I feel like there's, in a way, I can relate to maybe like what the Campbells were talking about in the Lipscombs, in that, you know, so where now it's like, oh my goodness, like we can't just do church. We have to have rehearsals and bands and guitars yeah. and, and PowerPoint slides and all this stuff. Whereas back then, like, think, think of what we came from, right? And by the way, to your point, the argument people make is there's no examples in the New Testament of instruments being used in corporate worship. And I, I found one of the things I was reading, it talks about that instrumental music did not appear until a hundred years after the close of the New Testament. And like we think about how things progress, whether it's music or other things. We went from people meeting in homes and and, and worshiping underground, frankly, which I think that's where it's it's hard to interpret maybe what we need to do because, you know church buildings right like is that in the new testament no right but does that mean that that because the church was underground in the new testament that we need to continue to behave as though we're we're worshiping in secret like i i i don't know but and there's no real clear clear answer from anybody i've talked to of that persuasion there's no real clear way of uh i mean getting getting through that or or understanding like where that's where that's coming from, like why it would be applied in, in one area and not another. And it ultimately just comes down to a tradition. Okay. And you know, tradition, okay. That's it. Tradition is okay, except for when it isn't. But I mean, you know, tradition is, it's, it's okay to have traditions. It's good to have traditions. But then when you try to like predicate one's human traditions on the scriptures, mm-hmm. it's really hard to not end up going down the same path that the, that the Pharisees were, were trotting. Right, and I mean, I've seen that. Like, I have, I have family members that attend a church that doesn't have a kitchen because we see no mention of kitchens Yikes. in the church. Right? Yeah. So, like, is, I, is there are there restrooms? There are. Yeah, that's that's trouble. But I guess my point is this: is on the one hand, like I I understand that argument, and and again, like I I'm not fully on board with this. Well, it doesn't say not to use instruments either, because I think that's also a slippery slope. Because if we're not yeah. careful, we'll end up like juggling for Jesus and having fog machines, like you said, right? <laughs> and so, juggling for Jesus, right? And so, like I said, there were there was no instruments till a hundred years after the close, right? And then things, yeah, yes, instruments started appearing. But think about all the other things that happened, right? Clergy and creed, uh, creeds, and and all these other things that like became the de- denominationalism that the reformers we're trying to get away from when we get mm-hmm. to the, the second great awakening. Right. Yeah. And so I guess what I'm saying is there's a part of me that understands the appeal of simplicity. And so I have a quote here from David Lipscomb. It says in 1907, David Lipscomb explained the results in the following words. And this was of the <clears throat> debate in reformation movement churches that were using instrumental music and not right. Yeah. It says these <clears throat> disciples with whom Lipscomb was associated have separated from the Christian churches that grew out of the effort to restore pure primitive Christianity by remaining true to the original purpose and the principles of fidelity to the word of God as the only sufficient rule of faith and practice of Christians. This seems to be as accurate an idea of the facts concerning these churches as I can give. And so, um, 
I guess what I'm saying is back to when we were talking about this earlier, where I'm, I'm undecided because I can understand people that are just trying to make sure that they're doing what God wants them to do. Because again, I know that we had this con this argument of it doesn't say not to, but we're talking about like, this is a matter of authority, right? Do we have authority to do what we're doing? Is it expressly, you know, stated? So are you aware of any of the scriptures that are cited when discussing this topic? Like cited to, to say that we shouldn't have instruments? Yeah. Or even just <clears throat> songs that are in favor of singing. Songs? Oh. Or sorry, scriptures in, in favor of singing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, shoot, the Psalms are full of them. Mm -hmm. Like Psalm 150. Yeah. Um, there is like, you know, sing to the Lord a new song. Um, make a joyful noise. Mm -hmm. All the earth. Um, let's see. What is... Uh, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day by day they pour forth speech. Night night after night they display their knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their line goes out uh, throughout all the earth and so forth. That's like Psalm 19. And the implication there is that, you know, creation is kind of in constant mm -hmm. praise to the Lord. I mean, like all of creation is in a sense that's perceptible to the Lord singing to him. Yeah. And so it's... It's right for us as his creatures to kind of follow suit with um, everything else. To our earlier point, by the way, I know you've heard me do this before. You can do Psalm 19, 1 to the tune of SpongeBob SquarePants. See, I don't know the SpongeBob song. Oh, really? Uh-uh. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Folks at home, though, you know what I'm saying. The heavens declare the glory of God. Psalm 19, 1. All right, let's oh, go. Oh, no. <laughs> Man. All right. So here's some ones. So, you know, I'm the guy that's always like, hey, we need to use know how to use our study Bibles better. Like maybe read the stuff in front, you know, mm -hmm. understand how it works. Same for hymn books. Right? Yeah. So in the introduction to Songs of Faith and Praise, it's kind of making the argument for singing, right? So um, it says, music has been the messenger of our sentiments to God throughout history. And it says, when Moses crossed the Red Sea, the Israelites there with the Israelites, there was a great celebration of song. Exodus 15, 1 through 21. Oh, yeah, the song of Moses and Miriam. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously the horse. And we had a great round mm -hmm. to that, where, where, where it had a male lead. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously the horse and rider thrown into the sea. Are you going to do this and, for every one of these? No. <laughs> anyway, go, go ahead. Who can forget David's psalm of remorse and repentance after he was confronted with his sin? Psalm 51. Psalm 51. When the walls of Jerusalem were built, it was a time of great joy, rejoicing and song, Nehemiah 12, 27 through 43. When Mary visited Elizabeth and the baby John leaped in Elizabeth's womb, Mary birthed forth in a song of praise to God, Luke Magnificat. 1, 46 through 55. Now that's, hey, that, there's, a, there's a modern song, right? I mean, at least a modern tune. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a great good, song musically. Good female song? Well, okay. yeah. I mean, if, if you listen to, you know, like... like, like a, my soul magnifies. Yeah. Yep. When Jesus was preparing to go to Gethsemane in his darkest hour, he sang a hymn with sang a hymn with his disciples. Matthew twenty six thirty. When Paul and Silas were cast into the forsaken darkness of their prison cell at Philippi, they sang praises to their faithful God at midnight. Acts sixteen twenty five. So so there's a few, and then there's a couple other others I wanted to get into with 
whatever time we have left. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't even mean anything. We're committed. We're committed. Yes, we so are. So let's uh, go through a couple of these. And I think these are songs that are maybe in favor of acapella singing, perhaps. Um, Hebrews, why don't you turn to this one? Okay. Hebrews thirteen fifteen. Hebrews 13, 15. So I thought this one was kind of neat. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. And do not forget to... Oh, sorry. I was reading 16 as well. I guess you could keep going. I don't know. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. So in some of the stuff I was reading, that idea of... Sacrifice of praise. Right, and the fruit of lips specifically uh, pointing towards singing, which is interesting. That idea is sacrifice of praise, uh, which there's a song about that, right? We sing a sacrifice of praise. We bring. We bring a sacrifice of praise unto the house of the Lord. Right. In my Bible, that actually references Romans 12, 1, which mm-hmm. is, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your, the title of our podcast, true and proper worship. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that how we're tying this idea of sacrifice because uh, what he's referencing there, if I'm not mistaken, you go back a couple verses is he, he's talking about like, yeah, you used to do, you used to sacrifice other things. Now I want yeah. your sacrifice to be a sacrifice of praise mm-hmm. and, you know. Which is a lot more than just singing. Yeah. I mean, it does, it, it, it doesn't, uh, it's not less than singing. But it's you know it's it's more and and therefore inclusive of singing. Mm-hmm. Can I read one? Sure. Psalm one hundred eight, uh, two through four, maybe five. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Awake, harp and lyre. No, uh, verse one. My heart is steadfast, O God. I will sing and make music with all my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love, higher than the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and let your glory be over all the earth. So there we have singing and instruments combined. I think the common argument to that, though, is um, does that still apply under the new covenant? Well, that's to conflate the uh, the sacrificial code from you know like Leviticus with the Psalms the Psalms aren't the law mm-hmm. uh, like not 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 in any sense whatsoever so yeah I think that that's a really unhelpful conflation and again like I, like I already said like I'm I'm not I'm not about to try to get our congregation to go instrumental like I'm v- I'm very like and if somebody tried it, like if I don't know, if Todd was like, you know, I think we ought to bring the piano from Winston's over here and start using it on Sunday mornings. Like, first of all, I would check Todd into probably some sort of facility because if Todd started saying that, like, mm-hmm. that that'd be odd. Yeah, really odd if Todd did that. Mm-hmm. But no, like, like I'm I'm not I'm not looking to go anywhere that has instruments i'm not looking to have instruments brought here but i do know that the argument that we're set free from this as we are from the levitical sacrificial code 
Uh, that doesn't. I, I don't. I don't see how that holds. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I guess like I don't. I guess I. I don't see. Because like the the actual style of the worship, like regarding instruments, like that's not that's not part of the Levitical code. I mean, like if if we're to throw out, you know, the the bit about awaken harp and lyre, you know, we'd have to throw out a whole lot more stuff that's in the Psalms, mm-hmm. like the Lord being our shepherd, for example. You know, it's just a bit. Uh, I don't know. I, yeah, conflation. I think is 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 the right word. Well, I guess like it's it's equating all of the Old Testament with the law when the law is simply, you know, one facet of the Hebrew Scriptures, and so I I I don't I don't think that it's it's uh, helpful or accurate to to call everything that happens to fall before Matthew as being quote the law. I see your point, but I guess when you look at the elements of worship that are stated or acted out in the New Testament, whipping out your harp was not one of them. Well, it, unless it, well, I mean, when <clears throat> when we're told, uh, so, uh, you know, to worship using or lift each other up with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, psalm, both in Greek and in Hebrew, specifically refers to like plucking an instrument mm-hmm. in in uh in Greek it's psalmoi mm-hmm. you know we can see where we where we get that and in Hebrew it's tehalim okay and tehalim comes from tahal which means to pluck okay let me hit you with this one James five thirteen is anyone among you in trouble let them pray is anyone happy let them sing songs of praise what's the Greek word for sing could it be misconstrued with play. Um, no, no, I, I, I mean, I'm sure that that means sing, but then, then you're, you're getting to, you know, like, is this exhaustive? Like, is this short list, a list of examples that, it, I mean, is it exhaustive or is it, or is it exemplary? Mm-hmm. And I would say that it's exemplary rather than, ex- but not exhaustive. Right. And again, I'm, I'm not arguing that, that our congregation or any congregation anywhere that that instruments are are necess- are always and everywhere necessary mm-hmm. um but anyway like that's also sort of a, a unique position because typically this this conversation is happening like the instruments versus no instruments it, it's happening when when there's somebody who's really really led that it either should happen or shouldn't happen yeah like i'm saying we should keep doing what we're doing with traditional hymns yeah. And with 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 new songs that are that that like of merit, like the Magnificat, like some of the uh like a few of the songs that we have in the green book. Mm-hmm. You know, that that are that are really excellent. Um yeah, I I'm, I'm not arguing for actually having a single instrument come in here. It's I, just that I don't think that the argument can come like chapter and verse from the scriptures. Okay, I I understand what you're saying, and I, I will finally arrive at my point at one point. Let me <laughs> let me make uh, yeah. a couple more points that I thought were kind of interesting because yeah. you read from uh, Philippians two, uh, six, uh, two. I think you read. I don't know if you got all the way to like through eleven. Um, I'm just going to read through this real quick. 
Um, you mean like on Sunday? You did. Yeah. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming disobedient to death, even death on the cross. And I'm not going to read the rest of it. What I want to point out, though, is, and I don't know how this looks in your Bible, if you look at how my Bible is, is formatted, right? Uh -huh. You see how these words are different than this up here? Yes. Typically, when words are like this in this study Bible, it's because it's a quote, right? So when I saw this on Sunday, I'm like, oh, are we quoting the Old Testament here? That doesn't really make sense, though, because some of these words, like, are very specific to Jesus. In fact, it says, mm -hmm. Jesus Christ is Lord. What is this? Yeah. And so I was reading it, and it says, so 2, 6 through 11, the poetic character of these verses is apparent. Many view them as an early Christian hymn. See note on Colossians three sixteen, which is one you, you quoted a second ago, taken over, over and perhaps modified by Paul. If so, they nonetheless express his convictions. The subjects of this passage are Christ's humiliation. And so it was really neat to me that he's quoting a song yeah. in, in this um Yeah. In this passage. And like, you know, and this this is an indication of all the things that are going on behind the scenes that that didn't make it into the Bible because they couldn't record every second of every day of every person. Yeah. You know. So so yeah, we have psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and oftentimes those are treated as being synonyms but i think that they are th th they're distinct things and there could be kind of like with camp songs mm -hmm. and heart songs and praise songs those are categories but you know there can be some it's it's kind of blurred at the edges yeah and and i, I think that that might be the case with psalms psalms hymns and, and and spiritual songs like this is i would call that a hymn well and so that's what I want to talk about. Let's, let's go over to, it said it references Colossians three sixteen. Let's turn over there real okay. quick. And then we're going to hit Ephesians, which is a similar passage. Uh, Philippians, Colossians, wrong way, Byron. Colossians three sixteen, where it says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. All right. So another yeah. another note. Um, where is the note? I'm looking for 13, right? Um, so while you're looking for that, it it seems clear that there's there's an internal expression and there's an external expression. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the most important doctrines were expressed in Christian hymns preserved for us now only in Paul's letters. Psalms refers to the Old Testament Psalms, some of mm -hmm. which may have been set to music by the church. Psalm could also describe a song newly composed for Christian worship, where hymn is, literal, is literally psalm in the Greek. A hymn was a song of praise especially used in a celebration, much like Old Testament Psalms that praise God for all that he is. A song recounted the acts of God and praised him for them much like the Old Testament Psalms that thank God for all that he had done. So that, I don't know, that that has a, that makes it sound like they're maybe more related than dissimilar. Well, sure, yeah, yeah, that they're, that they're related. And some may or may not have been set to music, right? Anyways, I guess all that. Yeah, I mean, like the Psalms were, were clearly set to music to such an extent that there there are notes before a lot of the psalms that say mm -hmm. you know it's to the tune of you know death of a son yeah or uh something about like the lilies 
what, what was that one? Uh, lilies of the morning or, oh man, it's something about lilies. Yeah. And so I, I guess reading through that, like this is one of the songs that's pointed to, to, this is one of the verses that's pointed to as an argument for singing, perhaps acapella singing. Um, but I guess the other thing I want to mention is just, again, like, why, what, like, why music and worship is so important? Because I mean, you have people that are just, they like, they say they're not musical. <laughs> it's kind of like, I, I mean, like, I, I guess I don't understand that, and and I, I don't know. It's 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 like, this is getting in a whole other tangent, right? Like, why does music matter, right? Hmm. And that's that's like that that could be a whole other episode, right? So, um, again, just one more passage. Similar Ephesians eight five eighteen through twenty sounds a lot like that one. It says, "Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ." Right. So again, another passage in favor of. Uh, singing, right? I put in here, filled with the spirit, capital S, not spirits, booze, because <laughs> it talks about debauchery. Right, right, yeah. So singing is is very important, uh, and, and it just depends on. So when when it says Psalm, like, does it really literally mean what Psalm means? Like mm-hmm. when we go back to the Psalms, and it's the Hebrew Tehillim. Mm-hmm. To haul, to pluck, like, see, like I, I think that there, there is, there is precedence. Now, in in practice, I mean, so of course, if you have, if you have a song that's typically accompanied, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, whether it's practical or, I don't know, there's all sorts of reasons that you might not have some instrument to pluck. Yeah, and so, but you always have your voice. Yeah, and so I, I think that that that's. It's, yeah, you, you've you've always got it. It's sort of why like you hide his word in your in your heart, so that you might not sin against him. You might not, you might not always have the scriptures physically in front of you, mm-hmm. but if you've put it in you, well, I mean, like that's, you you've you've got it in you. Yeah. Well, okay. So here, that's those were kind of asides. I'll, I'll kind of come back to my thoughts on your point and be honest like i'm 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 gonna go to the old testament as well yeah and you you made a comment earlier and i don't don't know where you're going with this but like i said before if if we're giving people like the campbells and the lipscombs and the uh man who's the other well well barton stone barton stones the benefit of the doubt that they were coming out of an era where it was just worship was just it was so much and we're trying to get back to a simpler time like what how about we just do what the first century church did right okay cool so how did they feel about this well i don't know it doesn't say we don't we can't do that but we know for sure that they did this thing so maybe we just do that because we know we have authority to do that right and what we want to do is please god i don't think that that is an unproductive way to approach this and 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 here's why there are people in the church of christ that will that might suggest that using instrumental music is sinful man i'm not I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is I think we need to be careful when we start to, again, have this approach of it doesn't say we can't do that. And so what I want to point to is the death of Nadab and Abihu, okay? 
Okay. Leviticus 10. It says, Aaron's sons Nadab and Abihu took their censers, put fire in them, and added incense, and they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to his command. So fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Moses then said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke of when he said, Among those who approach me, I will be proved holy. In the sight of all the people, I will be honored. And so, I got another note here for you. It says, um, they, being Nadab and Abihu, are regularly remembered as having died before the Lord and as having had no sons. Their death was tragic and at first seems harsh, but no more than so that of Ananias and Sapphira. In both cases, a new era was being inaugurated. The new community had to be made aware that it existed for God, not vice versa. And so I guess what I'm saying is this is, I think we do need to strive to have true and proper worship, whatever that is. And, and, and I think the grace of God is sufficient for this, this, this conversation and this, this topic on the one hand. But on the other hand, you know, uh, again, this is, this is an Old Testament example, but if we don't have authority to do something, I don't know that that's to be taken lightly. And I think a lot of that is because we run the danger of uh, trying to have God exist for us and not vice versa. And so... If again, people like the Campbells, who we get, you know, get we get accused of being Campbellites. If that was their approach to this, I don't know that that's uh, unproductive, um, as some will make it out to be. Maybe. Yeah, there are people from the past who um, were who knew more than than we know now. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say that there there are sources <clears throat> that they were probably very familiar with that the average churchgoer uh even average bible student is is not aware of um so i I think that so it's kind of interesting to yeah i don't i don't disagree with sort of trotting out uh the fathers of the restoration movement so to speak Mm -hmm. however to do so also kind of runs the risk of doing exactly what they were kind of what set them apart from the quote denominations, mm-hmm. which was having um, a tra- a particular tradition mm-hmm. to, um, I don't know, like be a, uh, be an intermediary between ourselves and the scriptures. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of the, the, the danger of, uh, of that. But I mean, like I, I don't, I'm not, necessarily scared by that like i think that we need to follow follow the evidence um where wherever it points and there's lots of things out there that can help us understand the scriptures um but i i still haven't encountered any any argument from the scriptures that to me justifies blanket prohibition on instrumental worship in in the church but when it comes to true and proper worship i think that the uh that the instrumental thing is a red herring sort of like i think that the masculine feminine thing is a red herring Mm -hmm. i i think that you know uh jesus told the the woman at the well that uh, a time is coming and now is here when the true worshipers will will not worship on this mountain or that mountain but they will worship god in spirit and in truth Mm -hmm. and so i i think that that's that's the that's the imperative is that we worship God in spirit 
and in truth. And I don't think that any particular external form is immune from not being true and proper worship. What, what I mean by that? I said, what, what do you mean by okay, that? Okay, what I mean by that is... Because I, I, I want to bring up juggling for Jesus again. Though. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's say that, that we have the external form of acapella worship. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that it's, by that virtue, true and proper. If, if the acapella worship is true and proper which it very well could be, it it's not owing to the fact that it happens to be a cappella. Similarly, so I mean, so, so let's say you have a congregation that's not worshiping in, in spirit and in truth, and you just pull out all the instruments and, and you and, and you just have them, you know, sing Amazing Grace a cappella. It doesn't mean that you've gotten any closer to the truth necessarily, mm-hmm. although the shakeup of things maybe maybe might help them think about things a little bit because like you were reading it there in the new Testament, like there's the internal aspect and, and there's the, there, there, there's the, the, there's the inner and there's the, the outward. It's not this mountain or that mountain. It's, you know, the, 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 the extent to which you were permitting like the, the living water to have an effect mm-hmm. on you to keep with the, to keep with the imagery that, that Jesus was using there with the, the woman at the well. Um, so I, I just think it's, it's deeper than that, than what it looks like. But like all that being said, I, I can't say how thankful I am for the acapella him, him, hymnal heritage that, that I've grown up with and that we still have in this church but because I've grown up with it my whole life, I also know that I have not always worshipped in spirit and in truth. And it's it's when I've come back to it after a, a time away that I think that, that that's happened more. I don't think I appreciate... Well, I mean, w- when do kids or teenagers ever appreciate anything? Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe I shouldn't be too hard on myself. Um, but yeah, if... If we're going to talk about true and proper worship, I, I think that it's it's a deeper thing than, and, and I'm I'm not saying that you're portraying it as this. I I, I just um I think that it's it's deeper than. Uh, I mean, because like I'm sure you've seen acapella worship kind of become a show. Yeah, I'm not suggesting that uh, acapella worship, by virtue of worshiping acapella, acapella, we're like, we're all I guess quote unquote doing it right or going to heaven or whatever what i'm saying is uh i just feel like it's a slippery slope when when we say that acapella worship is just a preference i think it was deeper than that i think it was like i think this was more well thought out than we are giving some of these guys credit for and there was a reason that the church didn't use instruments till 100 years after they closed the old, the new testament like, like I think right. there's, there's a reason for that. And to, and to, um, let's see. Is it for that reason illegitimate? Like if it didn't, I mean, if it's true that instrumental worship did not become a facet of Christian worship until, uh, 
until the second century, maybe late second century, let's say, mm -hmm. is it for that reason illegitimate? Um, I don't know. Like it, even this argument about well, this is what Psalm this is what Psalm actually means in in the in the the Hebrew or or whatever. Like I, it just seems like we're we're trying really hard to make this be what we want it to be. When if we just look at the examples that we were left and do those things, like we know we can't go wrong. Well, I think that we we can go wrong because it depends on if we if we properly understand the things that we've been given and if the people that we got it from. Uh, I mean, it's sort of like a game of telephone. You got to go back to the source. I feel like you know what I mean when I say we can't go wrong. <laughs> like I understand that I could sit here and say a prayer and not actually mean it, right? But but praying is the preferred method, right? Again, not not whatever I I uh, I suggest the Bible to say for me, perhaps. Yeah. Well, I think that we both agree that. We're thankful for the acapella tradition that we have in the acapella church that we attend and don't have any plans for doing anything <laughs> otherwise. I think this is good. We found something that we didn't agree on every single thing about. <laughs> maybe people will like it. Yeah. Maybe we could uh, disagree about it more civilly. I don't know. Do you ever see uh, like Russell Brand talking to... Uh, Jordan Peterson. Uh, yeah, or yeah. Ben Shapiro or something. Yeah. Are we not disagreeing with up on it civilly? We are. That's the point. Yeah. How long have we been talking? My wife's going to kill me. Yeah, my wife might too. Maybe my wife would kill you and and then I can bring a guitar in here. I'm s <laughs> <laughs> You've already brought an instrument into this building, Justin. I'm surprised you're still alive. Did I? Yeah. You said you brought a piano in here for your wedding. That was with permission, and it wasn't during the worship service, mm. and it wasn't behind the pulpit. Mm. Okay. I forgive you. <laughs> all right. Are there any final thoughts? We've, we've talked a lot. I feel like it's all final thoughts, but... Uh, yeah, we, we've, we've covered a lot of ground. Um, I don't know how much we ended up talking. We talked a lot about Brother Kyle. We did. Sing some hymns. Yeah. You'll be better that way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i i recommend singing hymns it's a good idea okay you ready yep okay lord thank you for uh just the blessing of reading your word and uh for iron sharpening iron and so i pray that you'd help us to understand your word and i pray that we would worship you in spirit and in truth um on on a daily basis um on our own with our families uh, with our friends, uh, with our brothers and sisters in Christ, and uh, help us to do so all the more um, as we wait for Jesus to come back. In his name, amen. Amen. <laughs>